God's presence is here. I don't know how people can go to churches where it's so dry. The anointing of the Lord's not there. Why are we going to go there? I love this place. the Lord. Hallelujah. You can be seated. Let's stay in the presence. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. My wife and I, we, we look forward to coming back here when it's our turn. Let me tell you what's going to happen next week. I don't know whether Pastor Chris told you. But we're going to be back here next week. Pastor Chris is going to be here. Pastor Chris wants to interview me. So you're going to find out what me and my wife is about. Where we were and where God has brought us and all the miracles in between. So be looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, never had that before. But Pastor Chris, especially the church in Chalmette, we haven't been there in years. We spent 15 years there before Katrina. But it's a whole new church there now, and Pastor Chris says they don't know who you are. So they're going to find out, and you'll find out, uh, next Sunday, we'll be up here on two stools, and he's got questions for me, and uh, I'll let you know my life, what God has done, and I want to tell you, uh, that's why I'm preaching, because I know the life that God can give you. If you give your life to him, he'll take it and make something that you couldn't even dream about, so we'll praise the Lord. You know, as an overseer, I try, uh, you know, I'm going from church to church now, and as an overseer, I try to concentrate on what are the essentials to building a healthy church. All churches aren't healthy. They gather, but they, they really aren't healthy. And, and I try to give my insight on what I feel the Lord uh, wants our churches to accomplish I try to convey that to our pastors. And because uh, living the Christian life is many years, five decades, that I've lived the Christian life, uh, both as a sheep under a pastor, just like you are. I've sat there and I've, I've been pastored. And then as a shepherd, pastoring people. I've witnessed many times that professing Christians turn away from the Lord. Uh, it happens more often than it should. It doesn't happen all at once. People come in, they get blessed of God, and, and it looks like it's a gradual thing that takes place a little bit at a time, 
uh, they begin to move away from the presence of God and the things of God. That's why they call it backsliding. Because you do it, you don't just jump off. You just slowly drift apart from the presence of God. And the result is always the same. They go to dry places spiritually. And uh, it's like being alone in a desert that uh, somehow uh, things just aren't happening. We see this scenario happen over and over again in the Old Testament. If you read the Old Testament, God's people, they come into the blessings of God and then they turn from God, they go their own way, and they wind up in uh, the desert. The Old Testament Israelites, God's people, when they come to a place where they refuse to acknowledge the Lord, that's where they were, uh, that God doesn't matter anymore, I'm not going to acknowledge him. I want to tell you something. You're going to be a successful Christian. You've got to acknowledge God in every aspect of your life. Every every decision you make, everything you do, you must acknowledge him. And uh, what happens is that people move further and further away from the presence of God. And let me tell you something, the presence of God is where the blessings are. When you're in the presence of God, then there's blessings there. The New Testament church is also warned about this, about not, not acknowledging the Lord. We see Christians doing it today, and the same results happen when they do it. And it's amazing. I've been in church for 50 years, and I've watched it both as a sheep and, and also as a shepherd. When I see people that have been in the church and they move away, what their life looks like, it's the same. It's the same. They, they, uh, they, they ultimately move away from the blessings of God, and when they move away from the presence of God, they move into a dry place spiritually where nothing's moving, where nothing's growing, where, where nothing is actually a living. Everything becomes dead. It's like living in a drought, but it's all spiritually. It's a spiritual drought. So I titled this message today, Looking for Rain. When God's people turn away from uh, God, they go through a spiritual drought, and it's dry. It's spiritually but it's dry. The Israelites were there many times in the Old Testament. And I want to go to an Old Testament prophet by the name of Hosea, who prophesied to the nation of Israel in a time of spiritual drought. They were in that drought. And God gave Hosea a word to speak to them. And this is what it is in Hosea 6.3. The Lord said, let us acknowledge the Lord. Let us press on to acknowledge him. As surely as the sun rises, he will appear. He will come to us like the winter rains, like the spring rains that water the earth. The blessings of God are referred to in the Bible as rain. When God rains on them, you, you think of the time in which they were living. The prophet Hosea told Israel, 
Let us press on to acknowledge the Lord. In other words, they forgot about him. They never acknowledged him. They never sought after him. They never relied on him in their, for their life. He says, as surely as the sun rises, he will appear. He will appear like the winter in the spring rains. The Lord spoke through Hosea to tell them if they pressed in to acknowledge the Lord that they, they should be looking for some rain. That way they said, if we acknowledge the Lord, he's going to come. So let's expect him. And I want to tell you, where I don't know where you are today, but if you press in to the Lord, you need to expect something. You need to expect by me pressing into him that something's going to happen. They should be looking for rain. Israel understood what two rains meant, the source of life. See, they depended on the rains, the winter rains and the spring rains, for their crops. If they didn't get crops growing, there wasn't going to be any life. Nobody wasn't going to be eating. They wasn't going to be eating anything. And there wasn't going to be any water to drink. So those spring rains and the winter rains meant something. And Hosea used these rains as a spiritual blessing. If you seek the Lord, then the rains are going to come. He himself will come like the rains, he said. You know, we look for rain in a natural drought. If you, if you look at the weather, you, there's some parts of our country and some parts of the world that are going through uh, drought uh, with, with rains. Meteorologists try to predict when it comes. I like that they say, you know, it's... Rains are going to start at 12. Well, they don't get there at 12. They wind up getting there around 7. They don't know when it is. God knows when it's going to come. God is the one who brings the rains. And, and it's God who brings the rain both naturally and spiritually. When Hosea is talking about rains, and the Bible talks about God raining on us, and we sing, God rain down, open up the heavens, rain down on us. The Lord can open up the heavens and he can shut the heavens. And he's the one that can do it. And that's exactly what happened to the people of Israel. God brought judgment on them because they didn't acknowledge him. You know, it's like children. You know, you, you try to bless your children with stuff and, and they just disrespect it. They throw it down like, like they, they don't care. Well... You do that enough, you don't give them anything anymore. If they, if they don't appreciate it, don't give it to them. If they don't acknowledge what you're trying to do for them, then don't give it to them. Let them go on their own. Well, that's what God does. You want to go on your own? Go. You want to go with me? Go with me. I want to go to another Old Testament prophet, the prophet Elijah, uh, the Apostle James records this in his letter in James chapter 5, verse 17 to 18. It says, Elisha was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. Elisha was a great prophet. Elisha performed miracles. He raised the dead. He parted the Jordan River. He did many things. He was a great prophet. But he was taken away to heaven 
in a chariot of fire with, with, with horses of fire. That God just took him up. But we also see him appearing in the New Testament on the Mount of Transfiguration with Moses when Jesus took uh, Peter, James, and John up to the mountain, was transformed. They saw Moses and they saw the prophet Elijah. So Elijah was a great prophet. But James said Elijah was a man just like us. Why did he say that? Why did he say Elijah, as great as he was, was just a man just like us? He said that to let us know that God can work through us too. That he was just a man. Yeah, we did all these miracles and everything, but he was just a man just like us. Elijah prayed by the direction of the Lord to shut up the heavens because Israel didn't acknowledge the Lord, so he shut the heavens up. This is the way God works. And I look at all the, the nations in the world, these poor nations that, that are struggling, and, and it looks like, you know, uh, God don't care. God does care. If those nations that are struggling would just turn to him, the heavens would open up. Like, like God said through Malachi, the prophet, when Israel was holding back on the tithe and offering. Says, you robbing me? Well, the heavens going to stay shut. But you give back to me and believe me, acknowledge me that I give you everything. You can't give back a portion. That's all it is. When you give back the tithe and offering, you're just acknowledging that God is the one who supplies your blessing. You don't do that, then, hey, okay, well, go your own. Go your own way. But he says if you do that, then I'm going to open the heavens and I'm going to pour out. Pour. It's got to be liquid. He's going to pour out that blessing upon you that you won't even be able to contain. So you get that, that, that idea there that this is the way God works. The natural rain that came had spiritual implications. The natural drought that Israel was, was feeling was a result of the spiritual drought. And I want you to understand that Israel had turned away from the Lord and the Lord brought that drought on them to try to get their attention. Sometimes people have to go through things for, for them to recognize they need to look to God, they need to call out to God to get them out of that thing. When they turn back to God, the same, you read the book, it's the same. The Old Testament is the same. They, they, they acknowledge God, they begin worshiping God, and God blesses them. They turn away, then the blessings go away. That's the way it is. That's why you need to thank God you're a Christian, you're serving God, but you need to acknowledge God. God wants to be acknowledged. God wants to be on your heart and on your mind every day in everything. And when they do that and God pours out the blessings, it just it, it proves what Hosea said, that if you acknowledge the Lord, he's going to show up. He's going to come to you. And he's going to bring the rain to you. He's going to come in winter and spring rain. I want to cover this scene that James referred to with the prophet Elisha 
where drought turned into heavy rains. It went from a total drought to a deluge of rain, just heavy rains. How many of us today feel like you can use a little rain? Come on, I use a little rain. I want some rain falling. I want, I want some rain falling. Because Israel turned away from the Lord. The Lord allowed Elisha to shut the heavens up when he prayed. Let's go to that scene. Uh, in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 1, it says, After a long time, in the third year, the word of the Lord came to Elisha. Go and present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the land. And Elisha said to Ahab, Go eat and drink, for there the sound of a heavy rain. So Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elisha climbed to the top of Carmel, bent down to the ground, put his face between his knees. Go and look toward the sea, told his servant. And he went up and looked. There is nothing there, he said. Seven times, Elisha said, go back. The seventh time the servant reported, a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. So Elisha said, go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds. The wind rose, a heavy rain started falling, and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. The power of the Lord came on Elisha, and tucking his cloak into his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. The first thing God's word reveals here, the drought will end. I don't care what you're going through, it will end. How do you know that? Well, the Lord promises that, that if you press into him, if you're going through a drought, if you press into him, the drought, the drought is going to end. It's going to come to an end. you got to believe that. When we're in a natural drought, a famine also comes as a result of it. You're going through dry places. You turn away from the Lord. You're going through dry places. Listen, as a pastor, I've watched it time and time again. They move away from the Lord. All kind of bad things happen. Uh, they just go through a rough time. They say, oh, well, I'm just going through bad luck. No, you're not going through bad luck. You, you quit acknowledging God, and the windows of heaven are shut up with you, and you're making it on your own. There's a pastor, watch this time and time again. All Israel was affected by it, even the prophet Elijah himself. Listen to me. There's some terrible things that be coming on this, this country if it doesn't turn around. God is no fool. If we don't acknowledge him as a country, bad things are going to happen. I'm just telling you that. But <laughs> we're still here. Unless the Lord takes us out of here, we're still here. But you got to realize that we're going to go through some things, but God is going to take care of us. All of Israel was affected. Even the prophet himself. <laughs> he was in that famine with three and a half years of no food, no production of crops, and the water getting scarce. But God made provision for the prophet Elisha, just like he's going to make provision for us. 
he will make provision for us. Let's go to uh, 1 Kings 17, 2 and 6. The word of the Lord came to Elisha. Leave here, turn eastward, and hide in the Kerith ravine east of the Jordan. Now, he's suffering. There's no food. There's no water. He says, you will drink from the brook. I have ordered the ravens to feed you there. So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to Kerith ravine east of the Jordan and stayed there. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Now, how, how, how is that? The Lord tells him, go sit down by the brook. You're going to have water to drink. The birds are going to bring you meat. The birds are going to bring you some bread. That's supernatural provision. A running brook, food, being delivered. Even you got to go for it. The ravens are going to bring it to you. Tell me that's not God's provision. Elijah knew this was strictly God. God told him what to do, and it happened. The birds are bringing him food. He sits down there. It's delivered, being delivered to him. You don't even have to get up and go look for it. But the next verse, we see this. 1 Kings 17, 7. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. The brook dried up. Have you ever been there before? Where the brook dries up on you? All of a sudden you're saying, oh, God's blessing me. God's blessing me. Then all of a sudden it dries up. When you knew without a shadow of a doubt it was God who gave you, brought you all that, then all of a sudden it dries up. Things dry up. That's puzzling. Have you ever been there? I've been there. I've been there. <laughs> Everything was coming, then all of a sudden, it stopped. See, somehow, sometimes we put God in a box saying, well, hey, what happened here? You were blessing me. Now, now it's cut off. What, what, what's happening here? I've been there. I'm going to tell you the story, but it's going to take too long. I, I, I've been there. I said, God, you're blessing me here. And then, now it's shut off. Now it's cut off. Let's look and see what happens in verse 8. Thank God for verse 8. <laughs> then the word of the Lord came to him. Here's the word, okay? Go at once to Zarephath of Sidon and stay there. I have commanded a widow in that place to supply you with food. That's another story I could tell you. A woman... My wife and I, when we first started uh, the first church, uh, the church wasn't paying us. We, we had to give up a lot of money and go work for a little money, but we was doing what God wants to do. And there was one weekend, we, the church wasn't going to pay me to Sunday, and we fell short, and there was a knock on the door, poor widow woman. I'm telling you this story. It's real. Widow woman knocked on the door. My wife needed, she said, we need, we need some milk and, and, and some bread until we get paid. I said, boy, ain't got it right now. Knock on the door. Sister Gaines, Helen Gaines. She was from, she was from uh, Alabama, I believe. And she had, I answered the door, and she had a, a check in her hand. 
and she was waving it, but she was looking at my house. See, we went from making a lot of money to going into the ministry, still had a nice house. You looked at her, she thought we were millionaires, but we wasn't. And she looked around my house, all the nice furniture and everything, and she, she said, Brother Carl, <laughs> she said, I was praying this morning, and the Lord told me to bring you $25. She said, but I'm looking around here. I think I miss God. I said, no, sister, you didn't miss God. <laughs> Give it a check. <laughs> but anyway, I'm telling you, God, when it looks like the brook has dried up, don't worry about it. God's got something for you. It, this is a beautiful story here. Who This widow was also suffering in the famine. Okay? And uh, the Lord will use her to supply food to Elijah. When Elisha and, uh, finds her, the Lord sends Elisha to the place where this woman is. When he finds her, he finds her making the last meal for her son and herself. But they were ready to die. They, were, she was on, they had a little oil left, a little flour. They're going to make a bread, and they're going to eat it, and they're going to die. Elisha sees her and tells her, to go get him a jar of water, okay? And she goes to do that and says, and, and another thing, bring me some bread. Okay, that's going a little too far. I bring you some water, but bread, if we're getting ready, we're going to die. And let, let's pick this up. In verse, seven, in verse 12, it says, As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Elisha said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said, but first make a small cake of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me and then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. The jar of flour will not be used up, and a jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord gives rain on the land. It's exactly what happened to them. God's provision for us, let me tell you something, is not affected by a drought. It's not affected by a famine. It's not affected by economy. It's not affected by inflation. It's not affected by the stock market. It's not affected by anything. God can provide for us no matter what. He can, he can do that. It's like the Philippian church that supplied Paul's uh, need when Paul had a need. And Paul told him this in Philippians 4.19 because he received it. He says, and my God will meet all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Paul knew that they gave a sacrificial offering to them. He said, don't worry about it. My God, my God is going to supply all of your needs. This also applies to this ministry here, the tabernacle ministry. God is going to supply everything we have need of. This is no accident that this church is here. 
and God's going to see it through. I can't tell you where we're going, but we're going. We're going because God is in his place. God will supply all of our needs. I want you to turn to somebody and tell them that God's going to supply all their needs. Tell them. Tell them. Why? <laughs> Why? Why? Because God never changes. See, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. What he did in the Old Testament, what he did in the New Testament, he's still doing today. But we got to acknowledge that he does that. We can't say, you know, let me go on my own. No, I got to acknowledge that God will meet my needs, whatever it may be. But I got to acknowledge him. If not, then you're going to be on your own. See, he doesn't change. He still loves us. No matter what condition we're facing, what we're going through, and come back here next week, you're going to find out what me and my wife has gone through the 50 years we've been serving the Lord and, and how God gets you through. See, Paul says this in Romans chapter 8, verse 38. He says, I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Paul said, I'm convinced of this. We need to be convinced of this. I tell you this, I, I know about that. I'm convinced. I'm convinced that, that his love is still for me. He's for me. That's why you got saved. He loved you enough to go to the cross of Calvary. And that love never stopped. It will stay the same. The only thing that's going to change is us. If we quit acknowledging him, then we're going to go on our own. I don't know about you, but I'm convinced. But the drought ends with a contest. And the contest is between the Lord and the God of this world. You want to serve the God of this world? Then go do it. But if you want to serve God, then serve God. Elijah challenges the prophets of Baal, who is the God of this world, Satan, King Ahab and his wicked wife, Jezebel, had their own prophets, the prophets of Baal, a false god, the satanic prophets. The prophet Elijah tells the king of Israel this, he says in uh, 1 Kings 18, 19, Now summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel and bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent word throughout all Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Elisha is challenging the prophets to a contest. But before the contest comes to, 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 to where it is, he begins tell, Elisha begins telling and addressing the people in a spiritual drought that it's time to make some decisions here. In, in 1 Kings 18, 21, Elisha went before the people and said, look, before the contest starts, he says, how long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, then follow him. 
If Baal is God, then follow him. But the people said nothing. You know why they said nothing? Because they couldn't decide. They couldn't make that decision. I want to tell you, it's time when you're in a drought, you better somehow come to a decision on what you're going to do. Because they couldn't decide who was who is the reason why they're in the drought. So if you want to get out of the drought, you got to come to a conclusion. you got to make a decision. Indecision's a bad place. Elisha was saying, you need to make up your mind. What are you going to do? I remember when I first started pastoring, people would say I was hard because I wasn't too long-suffering. Well, you see, I felt this. If God is God, then let's serve him. If not, then get out of the way and quit playing church. Go about your business. If we're going to be the church of God, then we're going to make up, our, make up a decision. If he's God, we're going to serve him, and we're going to serve him with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul. We're going to serve him 100%. Make up your mind. Now, back then, I was hard. Um, I still believe this, but I have a little more long-suffering. <laughs> I would tell you to hit the door if you're, you know, if you're not going to go. If you're not going to get on the train and get off the train and go somewhere else, I don't do that anymore. I feel like it, but I don't do it anymore. So Elisha makes the challenge to the prophets in 1 Kings 18.22. Then Elisha said to them, I'm the only one of the Lord's prophets left. That wasn't true. God had to straighten him out with that. He had, still had 6,000. But Baal has 450 prophets. Get two bulls for us. Let them choose one for themselves. Let them cut it into pieces. Put it on the wood, but, do, but not set fire to it. I will prepare the other bull and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. Then you call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord. The God who answers by fire, he is God. Then all the people said, what you say is good. That's a good thing, okay? <laughs> and we know how that ended, that, that the prophets of Baal, they shouted all day long. They did everything they could. Then they start cutting themselves. They start bleeding, believing that their God would answer them. And it didn't answer them. And the reason why he didn't answer it, because he's not God. He's not God. God didn't answer no matter what they did. And no matter what people do when they turn away from God, what they try to do, it's never going to work. You see, because God is the one who's going to bring the blessing. Then it was Elisha's turn. Then Elisha said to all the people, come here to me. They came to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord which was in ruins. See, he repaired the altar of the Lord that they desecrated and left uncared for because they wasn't using it. They wasn't coming to worship God. The altar was ruined. So Elijah had to come and restore the altar because they wasn't pressing into God anymore. They wasn't using the altar to recognize God. See, the altar was a place of worship. It was abandoned. As Christians, the altar is this. Yes. 
our hearts. See, this is what we have to rebuild. It's our heart for God. For the drought to end, we're going to have to repair the altar. Our hearts need to be restored, that we acknowledge God for everything. Elisha repaired the altar, called upon the Lord. Then in verse 38, then the fire of the Lord fell, burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stone, the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, the Lord is God. The Lord is God. Say that with me. The Lord is God. The Lord is God. We have to recognize the Lord is God. See, when the fire falls, then it's time to believe. <laughs> the Lord is God. That's why this church, when we come together, we got to recognize the fire is here. You know, when they asked John the Baptist if he was the Christ, he said, no, I'm, I'm baptizing you with water, but there's somebody coming. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. See, there's got to be fire here when we come together. That's why it's important that we allow the gifts of the Holy Spirit to be moving in this place. And it needs to be moving in all of us more than just one or two of us. James says Elisha was a, a man just like us. God used him. God's going to use us. You understand? God can use all of us. The fire has been falling in this place. Brother Matt Snyder told me last week that I don't think Pastor Chris even preached. He said, y'all just, the fire fell. The fire has to be here. The fire has to be here. But let me tell you something. When the fire falls, start looking for the rain. You hear what I'm telling you? you start looking for the rain. The contest is over with. See, for God has shown up. Elisha told the king of Israel this. And Elisha said to Ahab, go eat and drink for there, the sound of heavy rain. Elisha heard the rain. He wasn't even there yet. He says, I'm hearing the sound of, of a heavy rain. He heard the sound before the rain came. It's like on a day of Pentecost. They were waiting. They were waiting for the promise of the Father. And all of a sudden, there was a sound like a rushing mighty wind came and a fire fell. Remember, the rain had a spiritual significance. In 1 Kings 18, 42, it says this. So Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elisha climbed to the top of Carmel, bent down to the ground, put his face between his knees. Go and look toward the sea, he told his servant. And he went up and looked. There's nothing there, he said. Seven times, Elisha said, go back. The seventh time, the servant reported a, a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. Elisha saw it. He said, it wasn't nothing. There was no cloud in the sky. And she saw a small cloud. So Elisha said, go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops. 
Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds. The wind rose, a heavy rain came, and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. The power of the Lord came upon Elisha, and tucking his cloak in his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. The power of God came upon Elisha because there was heavy rain falling. He tucked his cloak into his belt because he had to start running. And he outran the king who was on a chariot. I believe I'm hearing the sound. I believe I'm hearing a sound of heavy rain. Time for us to get up. Time for us to tuck the cloak in. It's time for us to start running. It's time for us to press on to the Lord. The drought is coming to an end. The contest has been won on the cross of Calvary. Let us believe the drought is over. Let us press on to acknowledge the Lord so the winter and the spring rains will fall. Rain's about to fall. Stand with me. Hallelujah. I'm looking around here. I believe, I believe everybody in this place has come to the altar of the Lord. I want to speak to us as believers. When we acknowledge the Lord, 